the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as always now is uh, online editor Kevin Ayres. Yeah, hello. Welcome. Well, what a week. Another week, another few headlines, but we'll get to that shortly. Let's start with the action on the pitch and uh, finals action began last week. Um, went to form, you'd say. Uh, Wellington, 3-2 victors over Sydney FC. They made hard work of it. 2-0 uh, up. Two goals in a couple of minutes from uh, Joel Chianese, uh and then a goal about 20 seconds later. It was a bit of a turnaround from the first half, which was possibly one of the worst halves of football of the season, I think. Second half, suddenly it all changed. is uh, just such a live one. He's brilliant. Uh, just brings so much to it. And He's got to learn how to celebrate a goal, though. <laughs> He's got no idea. <laughs> He scored four in two weeks. He plays for Sydney, you know. He scored four in two weeks and didn't have a goal celebration for any of them. Surely you would have thought after <laughs> the two the week before against the Jets, someone would have said, got to have a little bit of... Superstitious football players, mate. I suspect he's going to go his whole career now with that, that goal celebration. Look on yeah. his face, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it went to plan. Phoenix better sides uh, on the day and over the course of the season. Uh, deserve the place in the, the next round. I mean, you know, Sydney must just, you know, watching the game, must, the fans and the coaching staff must just pull their hair out when they see, you just got back into the game. There was an element of unfortunate, that's about the ricochet back behind the defence. But then, you know, giving away a penalty within seconds of getting on level terms, you know, it was yeah. just that hammer blow. There was no way they were going to come back from that. But I think, you know, it's symptomatic of Sydney's season. You know, they've been slack, they've been careless, they've not taken their chances and they've given away stuff that uh, cost them points, uh, which led them not to having a, a better finish. Uh, especially in the, you know, the last half hour of matches uh, during the course of the season, they, they were at atrocious form. And another two-goal deficit to make up, which they've done a number of times this exactly. season. Exactly, yep. All right, uh, major semi-final first leg. Uh, Brisbane came out on top, 2-0 victors over Central Coast. Kev, what did you make of this game? I think it goes back to what we were saying last week. You know, they, they so clearly missed Matt Simon. Uh, and they, they are just lacking firepower up front. Uh, they limped into the Premiership uh, by virtue of the good work they did early in the season uh, and just made it no more. Um, and I really fear for them making it into the grand final, actually, to be honest. Going on the, on recent form, uh, Bernard Bini, is, there's a lot being asked of him, uh, and perhaps he's just not quite ready for, for the amount that's being asked of him yet. Uh, and John Sutton's just not lived up to, I'm sure, what Arnie hoped uh, he was going to be signing. Uh, as a result, it's hard to see where the goals are going to come from. Uh, Rogic was... Really disappointing, I, I felt, uh, in this match. Uh, and by for 15 minutes before he actually came off, the man could barely walk, or the boy could barely mm. walk. He was exhausted. Uh, and it's all very well, you know, running your heart out and trying to be busy, Brett Holman style. But if you can't last an hour even uh, doing that, then you've got to pace yourself better, I think. And are we seeing the difference here in the two sort of styles of football when they're juggling Asian Champions League commitments as well, whereas Brisbane's very much a sort of possession-based game, you know, game, a it, bit more considered when they're in possession. Whereas the Mariners is very much built on, you know, hustle, bustle, you know, get up the pitch, get back. The fullbacks are asked to to get forward massively, and yeah. and, and are, are they struggling more with that the the physical demands of yeah, Wednesday, th- Wednesday th- weekend football? I think there's probably a. a the truth in that and it goes back to what we were talking about you know quite a while ago that Brisbane are football fit uh, this phrase football fit and they don't really seem to tire in the same way uh, especially when you've you got a good passing game like that you, you're passing you're letting the ball do the work uh, yeah. more than the players uh, and as a result you, you're going to have more stamina you're going to last longer uh, and if they take that overseas as they do as well, then you know they can cope with that uh, that workload that's ahead of them far better than an undermanned, understrength, uh, underperforming Mariners are. Well, what the Mariners would give for Shane Smeltz right now? Oh, jeez, yeah. 
seven goals in two weeks. It's in- insane. You know, that's messy. And another, uh, you know, another stuttering game. There, the first half was eminently forgettable, but um, but it sparked a life in the second half, and uh, and Shane Smeltz with consecutive hat tricks. Uh, blasted Perth into uh, into a home final against Wellington. Yeah. Which you've got to say, you'd put Perth in the box seat for that now, wouldn't you? I think so, yeah. Uh, Striker in form. Big, have... big home crowd. Wellington got the longest, second longest away trip in club football. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the greatest rivalry in club football as well, allegedly. Um, no, I mean... You would have to say that Perth Glory are looking pretty good for a grand final slot as well. The way well, you sort of, I mean, even coming away, you know, let, I mean, let's assume that the man, you know, you'd probably say, we'll, we'll preview the, the, the second leagues later on, but, you know, Perth have got to be looking at that thinking, you know, the Mariners, they've got Asian Champions League commitments, they're struggling for goals, they've got the hottest centre forward in the league right now. It's not going to be that fear factor really going to Gosford with well, everything on the line. Absolutely. And, you know, I think what you've got to look at is the fact that Shane Smeltz had a crap uh, opening three quarters pretty much of the season. If he had been in anything like this kind of form, what the form you would expect of him based on his previous years, uh, going back right to the beginning of the season, can you think where Perth would have finished? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think... Uh, I was having this conversation uh, with somebody else over the weekend, and they were making the point that uh, no, no, Brisbane Roar and Mariners are you know a whole level above uh, Perth Glory, and in some ways that is true. The, the whole, the structure, the overall game is perhaps over and above anything that uh, Mariners, a Phoenix, Phoenix or Perth can be putting out. But Perth, when they've got the chance, they take it, they capitalise, and they have the firepower. They will score the goals. And they've got a strong enough defence to protect a lead. And also, when you're coming into the finals, it's not dissimilar to the um, to the championship playoffs. In that, often the team that comes with a late run and finishes, you know, sixth, yep. gets promotion to the Premier League because yep. the teams that have been challenging, they're they're coming into those playoffs disappointed and a little bit deflated. Whereas the teams that are coming in in the, in the sudden death sort of last minute, I've, I've got all that momentum. As you say, the Mariners sort of limped a little bit towards the, the towards the Premier's plate. Now, if they get you know, thought, you know, soundly beaten over two legs by the Raw, you'd say, you'd say the momentum's with Perth, really. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it, we said last week, you know, the the uh, the Premiership plate is twenty seven weeks of uh, finding out who's the best team, and then Championship is four weeks of double checking. Yeah. Um, I think I, there's another way of looking at it. You know, Perth finally have hit their form uh, and they are showing what they should have done in the, the 27 weeks pr- prior to this. Uh, I have a good feeling about Perth. And given their location, you'd probably say the Asian Champions League is uh, less of a big deal for them exactly. because they've got five hours it's less flying time. much shorter hop over yeah. into Asian for, Asia for them. So, yeah, good luck to them. Okay, well, let's look at the Asian Champions League because there were games this week um, and our size mixed, really, results last night. Brisbane Raw got what you'd say, you know, on, on the face of it, a creditable one-all draw, going down to 10 men very early in the second half from a penalty that, uh, that evened up the scores. But they'll look at this and think they should really have won that game. Well, wasn't Even pe- with 10 men, they, could have, they the, should have won it. This penalty was saved, though, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah. it was a corner that they, they oh, right, from it 10 minutes right, later. Yeah. Um, but Brisbane probably were on. Unfortunate in that match, to be honest. They played very, very well. You know, there was headlines uh, later on saying they hung on for a draw. I don't think that's an accurate depiction. Of I don't what think actually so. I mean, the ten men they they still create. I mean, you know, they they ride their luck. Yeah. Um, but you do, you have to when you got ten men. But they oh, still exactly. carry the and threat. They, they didn't just stick. And they were still nine looking. men behind the ball and trying to and try and see it out. They and they were looking for a winner. You know, I think that says everything about Postecoglou's mentality and philosophy. It's you know, it's, and the the players he's got playing for them. They have the self belief that they can go into Asia. They can go down to ten men. They can uh, lose a silly goal, and they still want to win. Uh, uh, that says a hell of a lot about them. Um, and I, I think up to that point, you know, the game looked good for them. Uh, but Brisbane Roar certainly finding it hard in Asia. Uh, much harder than probably we certainly thought they would find it uh, and I don't know probably harder than they thought they would find it too although I'm sure Ange went into it without any uh, misgivings uh, or you know, uh, misguided confidence uh, but yeah I think everyone would have probably wanted, expected to see them do better than they have done up to now 
Okay, well, the Mariners uh, also uh, had a red card to the name. Uh, Josh Rose sent off. Uh, they too got a one-all one, one all draw with Seong Nam Ilwa Chunma from Korea. Um, Spoken like a native. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, it's got here that Adelaide... Is, I'm trusting the AFC site here. This isn't true. Adelaide lost, didn't they? <coughs> they did. They lost 1-0 to Pohang. The AFC site says that they won away at Pohang. Did it? Yeah, it's got nil one. Oh, yes, yeah. uh, but Adelaide did ignore the AFC site as we are doing now. Uh, Adelaide United did lose their uh, their first game in the Asian Champions League to Poang Steelers from Korea. So not a great uh, Korean round from the uh, yeah. I mean from the, us. Uh, the Mariners that really was just a completely bizarre red card uh, for Josh Rose. He just seemed to fall. It was like a, a rugby league tackle without actually grabbing on to hold on to him. It just fell on him. I, mean, like I, must honey be, monster I, I thought squishing. German's red was a little bit harsh yesterday. Uh, Last yeah. night, you know. I well, mean, it's one of those ones. It can go either way. I don't uh, know. God, and when you're dealing with Asia, you always got to expect that they will come down harshly on anything. Uh, you just got to go into it knowing that. Yeah. Well, it's a big uh, it's a big win for the Poang Steelers against Adelaide because that puts them equal top with Adelaide. Uh, played three six points. Then you got Gamba Osaka and, and Budioko uh, on three points, so halfway through the uh, group stages. In Group F, uh, it's F- interesting actually. They've uh, they've swapped the the first and second place around as well. Uh, after immediately after the match, the table was updated with Adelaide still on top because they started with an A, and for some reason they've now put Poang well, back on top. Well, it would be head to head, wouldn't it? Because it would be the goal difference is the same, but because Poang beat Adelaide, head to head. That's what I, top. I thought, but yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, FC Tokyo top group F, uh, equal with uh, Old San Hyundai, both on five points. Beijing Goan and Brisbane Raw on two points. So only one win off. Yeah, top, I mean, still. it's it's not it doesn't look good for them on that basis alone. But you know, there's a long way to go, and nobody's running away with it at all. Uh, easily get themselves back into it. And Group G, Nagoya Grampus are top with five points, two points clear of Seongnam Ilwa and uh, Central Coast Mariners on three points, and then Tianjin Taylor on two points. So again, uh, Mariners still in with a good shack. So at least everyone's still in with a good shack. Three games to go. Yeah, I think the important thing to notice though is that both Roar and Mariners have only scored two goals out of three games each, uh, and that's just not good enough. That's not going to get you any further. That's not going to get you out of the knockout stage. Yeah, got you into the knockout stage, rather. Okay. Well, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two where we will look at the news headlines uh, from our website au.442.com, which, not surprisingly this week, were dominated by the news yesterday and the uh, anticipation of yesterday's news that our Western Sydney team will be in the A-League next season. So here are our views on that after this break. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. We talked to Arsenal captain Robin Van Persie about how he became the most lethal striker in the EPL and Man City, while United legend Dennis Law answers your questions. Come with us to Russia to catch up with Socceroo Luke Wilkshire. We meet Brisbane Roar's Ivan Franjic and ask whether the tackle is dead in modern-day football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now at Newsagents and the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Well, where else are we going to start on the news headlines of the week than yesterday at uh, Football New South Wales headquarters at Valentine Park? We saw Prime Minister Julia Gillard, uh, Ben Buckley, and uh, Bozza, Kaya Simon, and a a variety of... um, of other local politicians there to announce the news uh, that we we're all expecting, and that is that a Western Sydney, as, unnamed, as yet unnamed Western Sydney team, will enter the A-League next year, funded by a combination of government money and FFA money. Kev, where do we start with this, with this puppy? <laughs> uh, well, I think, first of all, the fact that it was Julia Gillard there to make that announcement just goes to show how important this is. Uh, it is absolutely essential for the FFA. Uh, and A-League and the sport of football I think in this country uh, they have to make a success of this this is the last chance they've already had one go and it was a complete farce disaster that never got off the ground I saw this morning that uh, the guy who was in charge of the Sydney Rovers but is now living in Southern California which just goes to show how dedicated he was to the area um, 
they have to make a success of this, but there is so much good that can come from it if, it, uh, if they can uh, get it right. Uh, I mean, do, do you not think that... I mean, it was... I was watching the press conference and all, and all of it's true and all of it makes sense. You know, Heartland of football, player numbers, Football New South Wales is based there. There's a, there's a training facility already there that is going to be revamped. But then the question is, why is it taking until season eight? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like, yeah. it just made like all of those selling points and, and they're all valid. Just makes it, why wasn't it there in the first place? Right. I mean, you know? to be honest, I, I think, what was uh, the, the philosophy, the theory, the strategy behind it was actually quite clever uh, in that you go into Sydney FC, into the eastern suburbs, first of all, you give them five years clear air for them to establish themselves, set up a, a solid working base, and then move into the west. Because the fact is, as soon as you go into the west, the east is going to be off markets. If they had started in the west, you would never go into the east and make a success of it. Uh, and I'm not sure that this, the East is going to still count as a success after the West is set up. But you couldn't go West, then East. You had to go East, then West. Uh, I think the bigger question for me is when the Sydney Rovers bid was all effectively in place, uh, why did the FFA pull the plug on that instead of investing m the money that they're now investing into it? If they could put enough money into the... Uh, a Western Sydney team today, they, because funding it from the contingency funds and the TV money, they could just as easily have done that with the Rovers. What two, three years ago? Yeah, but I think that we, I think there were two, two things beyond that. I think we hadn't had two expansion teams launch and fall over at that point. No, but it was and looking. And the TV deal wasn't a year away at that true. point. Yeah, you uh, know, I like mean, this. Yeah, make no mistake. Like, people say. How can we rush this through? We need to, you know, you should have given them 18 months. We don't have 18 months no, it's for a the next TV yeah. deal. There has to be, a, you know, 10 teams. There has to be a Western Sydney yeah. team in next season. Oh, definitely, you know? definitely. And I think, you know, as it's come at the cost today, just before we walked into the podcast, the FFA confirmed that Gold Coast United is now Gold Coast United. Well, I've got, I've got the release here. There's some of the quotes from, uh, from Ben Buckley. Uh, FFA is bitterly disappointed that Gold Coast United failed to develop a market for football on the Gold Coast over the past three seasons. Today's decision to exit can be directly attributed to Gold Coast United's lack of community engagement and its inability to build a football culture around the club. We acknowledge the hard work and commitment over the past six weeks by Football Queensland, Gold Coast football, Gold Coast players and coach Mike Mulvey. The team showed great professionalism and pride in performance in the way they complete the season. FFA's mandate is to govern for the good of the game. The good of the game, isn't that? That's FIFA, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Um, and this decision is the only responsible course to take in ensuring we have a sustainable Hyundai A-League. And therein led, uh, led us uh, another expansion team gone. Potential for a National Youth League to remain on the Gold Coast currently under discussion with Football Queensland. We've heard that one before. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of bitterness out there and a lot of anger towards the FFA over this. But the bottom line is Clive Palmer run, ran that club into the ground. He ground it into the dust. Uh, it's been a corpse uh, since the beginning of last, uh, the end of last season uh, when he uh, backtracked on contracts. And uh, a, uh, since then, there's never been any hope for it. Uh, and fans just simply didn't go. Now, the fact is we've got rid of a... a a club has been allowed to die that brought maybe two, three thousand these days to matches. It's going to be re replaced by a club that's going to bring, I would imagine, uh, at least ten thousand, uh, and that's hopefully conservative. Uh, it's being replaced by a club that's going to have three Sydney derbies. Now going to create three Sydney derbies. It's going to create another six Sydney Melbourne uh, derbies, effectively. Yep. Uh, Mariners and the Mariners as well. Uh, it's. It's not just a, another club replacing it. It's a club that potentially will bring so much to the A-League that it just doesn't bear thinking about. Okay. I mean, significantly as well was the, was, the, was, was the location for yesterday's announcement, Football New South Wales. And, you know, <clears throat> after their mutant move to, to a new complex in Riverston that's now been um, scrapped, uh, a lot of the funding from the government will go to redevelop Valentine Park. Uh, it needs it. It's, uh, it's the, the buildings are not in a particularly great state there, I think, simply because they were planning to leave. 
Um, I think even the, the, the sort of hotel accommodation there is even closed, I think, um, at the moment. Uh, the intonation is that there will be, it will be a, a club very closely tied with Football New South Wales. Um, what's your view on that? No, I think, is this a model that I think we it, should have looked to at the start? You know, I mean, Football New South Wales put a bid in for the Sydney FC yeah, franchise, or, I, I or think were part of one of the bids that was knocked back. It's a, it's it has to be done this way. I mean, you know, the Sydney West is football. Uh, I'm not. I'm trying my best not, not to say. Not, I'm not going to say that word. But it, it's where football comes from <laughs> in Australia, uh, and uh, to tie Western Sydney new club with football New South Wales is a, is a no-brainer. There's a huge challenge ahead, though, because, you know, you've got Sydney Olympic fans. They're only going to follow Sydney Olympic, and that's symptomatic of everything in the West. You know, they have got their local clubs. They are tied, they're bonded very, very closely to it. What we need to do is to try and bring them in and say, here's another club. Well, yes, it, I mean, it that, is. That's, it's a that's franchise. And that's probably the biggest challenge, is can they create an A-League team that represents something to all of those clubs that are still competing in the New South Wales Premier League? I.e., you know, can those clubs become a feeder club? Yeah. To, can the young talent come through that system and into the new Western Sydney team? So, the, so there's a reason to support that I Olympic think, youngsters are there's a pathway for those players. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Sydney United, Sydney Olympic, you know, Blacktown, Bankstown, that all those players that they, this is their pathway to the A League. I think it's going to be very, very hard. I genuinely do. I mean, it's, they're going to have the work cut out for them because you know, uh, it's all very well saying, right, we'll put in an Olympic player and we'll maybe we'll sign a Blacktown player and we'll sign a Liverpool, uh, Fairfield, Marconi, whatever. Um, <sighs> Are the players, are the, the fans going to latch onto that? Are they going to come on that behalf? And even then, you know, they're still going to be standing next to Marconi fans. They're going to be standing next to uh, Blacktown Demons fans. How is that dynamic going to work? Are they going to be able to put the differences aside to stand together in, as one supporters group? It's going to be interesting to see how they, they manage to make this gel. Uh, it has to, to work. I think Really, I, uh, ostensibly, what they're going to end up having to do is say, look, you love football. Here's a club that's still going to be playing when your club's not playing. Come along yeah. and enjoy the football for the sake of it. You might not actually support us, but here's a bit of theatre, and you might learn to love us. Um, I think that's more likely way of actually getting people along, to be honest. Okay. Any thoughts on the name? West Sydney Unicorns. <laughs> Why the unicorns? Just because they're mythical. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, that's S A Sydney. Uh, a, that's a Cove uh, name for them. And I'd just it. like to see just Western Sydney FC. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that's going to work. How about Real Sydney FC or something? <laughs> Sydney's uh, West. Yeah, I also like Cumberland sausages, but uh, that that wasn't getting a lot of traction in my poll. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, this is going to also add. I mean, uh, next point on my uh, on my uh, agenda for to, to dis- talk about with you was the uh, coaching vacancies at Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. But now we've also got a big coaching vacancy at Western Sydney. Yeah. Uh, again, I think you know this is another opportunity for the FFA or whoever's going to be running the club to to tap into uh, local feeling and um, somebody along the lines of Branko Kalina with you know a history of working out in that area. Tony Popovich is is rumoured to be the the prime candidate. Yeah, but apparently he's also you know he's he's very well set up at Crystal Palace, uh, and I'm not quite sure he. I heard something saying that he wasn't wanting to leave yet. Right. Uh, whether that turn, turns out, you know, um, but I, I I do think it's very important to. I don't think a foreign coach would work there unless it's a really big name. Greek coach or something along those lines, uh, Stojkovic or even uh, something like that. Um, but no, I think Slav and Bilic might be looking for a gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think uh, one of our good, solid local coaches. I think it'd be a great route, a great road back into the league for Branko Kalina. Personally. Okay. Well, obviously, uh, Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC are both uh, scouring the, the coaching ranks at the moment. Both Graham Arnold and Ange Postacoglu have uh, been mentioned in, uh, in relation to those opportunities. Apparently, Sydney FC are deciding whether they uh, up 
what they're expected to pay for something like Graham Arnold. Yeah, well, I mean, if given that it came from Michael Cockrell, who you know is historically very close friends with uh, Arnie, he had a figure of three hundred and fifty thousand being offered to Arnie, and Arnie saying that he you know wanted more. And I think you know he's fully entitled to to be honest. You know, if they were paying, uh, Lavisca was on what five hundred allegedly, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Van Ship was on uh, allegedly seven hundred and fifty. Staggering amount of money, um, then you know I think he is worth at least half a million. Uh, I, I think he he's more than proved his worth, uh, and he would bring a lot to Sydney FC. And they, you know they need to, to deeper dig it a bit deeper, but they definitely need to give him the job because I've got a lot of money riding on it. <laughs> cool, yeah, that's right. You got it early, <laughs> didn't you? I mean, pers- I mean from a from a complete sort of neutral perspective, uh, and Brisbane Royal fans are going to hate me for this, but I would quite like to see Andrew at Melbourne <laughs> Victory, simply because I think that you know if he could replicate what he's done and producing that type of football, Melbourne Victory could get thirty five thousand every game. Yeah, you know, I yeah. really do think that. I, yeah. I think, and then all of a sudden that creates a different playing field for the whole league. Yeah. You know. Whatever victory have offered Ange already, and by the sounds of things, they've offered them the world, they could double it and they will still make money back on that. Uh, they will bring in such huge crowds uh, that you know it will go back to, what was it, 2000? Yeah, averaging 25, 26,000. Yeah, yeah, I think back in 2000. In the regular season, that, yeah. was, that was before uh, final. They will really uh, just raise to a different level, plus you know the whole challenge of what you can bring... Uh, he can turn around victory from what they were this season. I mean, do you do you think? I mean, you know, do you think he could replicate what he's done at Brisbane? There, do you think yes, he... I think he could actually. I mean, he, the club's at a prime position where it is now for him to come in. He couldn't have done it last season because Merrick had tied so many old players down to contract extensions. He probably won't be able to do it next season because whoever comes in now will be doing likewise, tying players down to long long uh, contracts. It's ripe for. Uh, for a complete turnover, uh, and I think you know the, the talents out there. They've got young players like Jago uh, waiting in the wings. Um, he's got a core group of. He's got a you know cool is bro bro cool. I think almost interchangeable in what they, they can bring, surrounded by the right people. Uh, so yeah, I think he could, he could do it all over again. Uh, and I'd love to see him do it. And Brisbane Roar fans hate me for all you want, but you know, I think it it gives. Roar a great opportunity to then move themselves onto the next level, and somebody like Mulvey, for example, I think could come in and do an interesting job there. Uh, you know, working with youngsters and, and developing what they've got. Okay. Uh, well, one one person that is out of the picture as far as Melbourne Victory is concerned is Jim McGilton, who's uh, taken his ball and gone home, not happy. Um, and you can't blame him either. You know, uh, <clears throat> being offered a, a being told that you're just about to be offered a three-year contract, and then so long as you don't argue about uh, the money or the, the conditions, it's yours for the taking. And then suddenly say, ah, but actually, you're just on a short list. Uh, I don't blame Melbourne Victory in the slightest for doing that to him. I, I fully understand the results weren't good enough. Uh, but, you know, he they gave the wrong message to him. Uh, so, yeah, I don't blame him for yeah, going off. But mate, that's... That's life, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. People yeah. say one thing and then the next day they yeah. change their mind. You know? Yeah, like, but and if they, they, there was a simple way for them not to be in that position, and that was for him to have won five or six games. Oh, absolutely. Not two. Yeah, you know? yeah. He yeah. put himself in that situation. Oh, without a doubt. With his results. You without know? a doubt. But yeah, uh, I think the noises you make is it, it, that is football, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and there was an early link to Gianfranco Zola, which has very quickly been uh, been poo pooed. Um, I, mean, I think it would be great PR. I'm still not convinced of his coaching credentials. He didn't do a particularly good job at West Ham. No, nah, I mean, the, I would, the would, reports were mixed from West Ham. His first season was average. Question, second though, season would Fozzie slaughter him? Because he's only coaching qualifications are from coaching in England. Yeah. So to all intents and purposes, he's an English coach. Yep. Um, but he's an Italian legend. So uh, as I said, you know, leeway, it, depend, it depends. Uh, your description of Zola depends on whether you work for SF, uh, SBS or Fox. SBS is an Italian uh, legend. Yeah, I mean, his only experience of coaching was getting fired for a West Ham team that then got relegated. Yeah, I, I, I personally, you know, 
fabulous player, fabulous player, great legend, lovely guy, but he's completely unproven at managerial level. And it was interesting that Foz never said a word uh, publicly, as far as I'm aware, on Zola uh, the whole time the speculation was going on. I think he would have been a bit conflicted over that one. Mm. Well, we shall see. We shall see. There's, a, there's a few coaching <coughs> gigs up for grabs. The good and, news uh, is that uh, at least it brought Art Ange uh, possible role into the spotlight as well at the same time. Indeed. Indeed. All right, that's it for part two. We'll be back in uh, part three where we're going to look at Europe and the uh, UEFA Champions League and English Premier League uh, results from, uh, from the last seven days. Attention listeners, this is an urgent message for all iPhone and Android users. Here's the facts. Last year, people downloaded $16 billion of apps for their phones, and that number is growing fast. In five years, this will grow 1,600%. If you've ever had an idea for an app, then we want to speak to you. For a free, no-obligation, fully confidential profit analysis of your idea, call 1-800-709-291 right now. At Appster, we make great apps. Here's your idea next. That number again, 1-800-709-291. That's one 800 Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. Champions League quarterfinals concluded this morning. Uh, and uh, all pretty much true to form. Uh, Chelsea uh, got a 2-1 win over Benfica this morning. Real Madrid beat Apoel Nicosia 5-2. Um, two goals in the Bernabeu for Nicosia. They'll remember that for a while. Uh, yesterday morning, Barcelona uh, saw off AC Milan 3-1, courtesy of two more goals from Lionel Messi. Uh, and Bayern Munich 2-0 victors over Marseille, which means the semi-finals are Chelsea versus Barcelona and Real Madrid Bayern Munich. Kev. Interesting semis, isn't it? Very much so. It's a battle of the titans. Uh, nice representation from... Three, Obviously, Bayern Munich, um, you know, the final is in the Allianz Arena. Um, so, Bayern Munich, extra motivation to, uh, to, yeah. to win that semi-final. And having a cracking season as well. Yeah. Uh, so, they're in peak form. It's, I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, I saw, uh, who was it? it was saying, but they basically said that Barcelona is a favourite and they d- dismissed Chelsea, uh, Bayern and uh, Real Madrid. But... I think it's hard, really, to to, to draw a line between any of them. Uh, Chelsea, I think you probably can say, is the weakest link uh, out of those four. Uh, Barcelona, Messi, dominant form. Real Madrid, though, you know, they've got uh, this morning that put their trio of players, highest scoring trio of players in the Liga history, <coughs> with Ronaldo. Oh, I can't remember who else it is. This is really well researched, isn't it, sometimes? Um, but Real Madrid playing in form uh, and Barcelona obviously in form Bayern in form so I, I would find it hard to pick a favourite out of the three of them to be honest well I think you know Chelsea of course they're going to go into it you know with Barcelona overwhelming favourites but Di Matteo seems to have just effectively gone back to the old guard and yeah. said right you know so this is their last chance yeah you know and that it's their ultimate sort of motivation was to prove Villas Boas completely wrong. But what's to say, Lampard, Terry, how ironic would it be for Chelsea to finally win Champions League with a caretaker coach? Well, they very I, nearly did it with Avram Grant, didn't they? Yeah, but I mean, oh, after all the money they spent on the coaches, uh, but yeah, I don't see it happening at all, to be honest. Uh, if they get to uh, if they get to the second leg of the semi-final without a huge deficit, I'll be very surprised. So, tip for the final then? Bayern and Barca. Bayern, Barca. I'm going to go Real Madrid, Barcelona. Killer bees. That will be a hell of a final. It right. would. It would. And I'd, I'd just, and, and personally, I would love to see Jose do it. I'd just <laughs> love to see, I'd love to see him do the double. Yeah. They're just uh, there you go, I'm off again. <laughs> off somewhere go. else now. I'm gonna go back to the Premier League. <laughs> Alright, and now on to the Premier League. How about, how about that for a little segue. Um another uh, another weekend, another drama at Man City. Uh Man United now have extended the gap to five points after just... Man City had a, a seesaw <laughs> game against uh, Sunderland where they were three one down with uh, with not long to go. They managed to get themselves back into the into the game and snatch a point three all, um, but United took care of Blackburn two nil. Uh, 
48 hours later, which saw them open a five-point gap. Mario Balotelli, the walking headline, uh, scored two goals. Mancini said he nearly substituted him after five minutes. Uh, he had an argument with, I'm not sure whether it was Kolarov or Tevez or both, about a free kick. I mean, it was kid stuff, really. Oh, it was, yeah. It was just re- unbelievable to watch. And more importantly, Sunderland were paying $13 for the win. And I was on them, just for a gamble. And my heart was in my mouth for the whole second half until the inevitable happened. Um, but, you know, City just throwing it away. I mean, we've, we've seen, we actually saw, was it, I think this weekend, we saw quite a few inter-team <coughs> scuffles. Mm. There were the two Wolves players, Roger Johnson and Hennessy, went, went at each other. Yep. I think there was someone else as well. Borussia. West, uh, West Brom. I think it was West Brom, Odin Wingy, and, and the keeper, Foster. They also had a, a crack at each other, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was a weekend for it. Um, elsewhere, QPR. Um, I mean, down at the bottom, talk about Villa. As I've been saying for the last four or five weeks, we are not out of this. QPR, one. Wigan, one. Bolton, one. Villa lost. Wolves lost. So I think we're now 19th in the form guide over the last sort of six games. Only The only team worse than us over that period has been Wolves. Um, and I think three or four weeks ago, we were 10 points clear of the relegation, or 11 points clear. We're now five points clear. And we have Bolton to play. I reckon you're still going to do it quite easily. Liverpool away this weekend. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, someone's gonna. They're gonna cop. Someone's. They're gonna. They've got to click at some point. It's bound to be against us. It's absolutely bound to be against us. But you're caught between a rock and a hard place because the longer this goes on, if they survive, McLeish stays. Well, I mean, utopia is we just survive on the last day of the season, but it's so close that they have to get rid of McLeish. The worst case scenario is it takes us being relegated to get rid of him. But anyway, who would um, you have to replace him? Just like anyone, him? really? Absolutely anybody. Well, no, actually that's not true. Anybody bar Trevor Francis and Steve Bruce or anyone else that's managed <laughs> Birmingham City recently. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I'd, I'd like to see us go after you know somebody young who's going to you know come in. I mean, I'd love to see us go after someone like Paul Lambert. Yeah, yeah, um, or even the guy, the, the guy that's done a really good job at Southampton, Nigel Adkins, someone like that. Yeah, so come in. Yeah, bigger budget, better players. Look for ground. new talent, bring new faces into. Well, yeah, and, and promote the young lads. You know, it's like we're we're not going to be competing for Europe, you know, anytime soon. Yeah. Not under the restrictions that we're under now with our wage bill. But by the same token, we shouldn't be getting relegated. Yeah, you know, so let's try and build something where you know. We can compete for Europe in three or four years under a very different wage structure. Certainly shouldn't be three points behind West Brom, you would think. No. Uh, obviously, the, the Villa game, the Villa defeat at home to Chelsea was overshadowed by the, the shocking news of our, uh, our captain, Stylian Petrov, who was diagnosed with, uh, with acute leukaemia. Uh, and football has obviously taken a, a back seat for him now as he begins his, uh, his treatment for that, with which we wish him uh, all the best. There's very touching scenes at Villa Park and at Celtic. Um, where on the 19th minute both sets of supporters uh, got up and stood for, and clapped for the minute to uh, signify his, uh, his shirt number at both clubs. Very, uh, very poignant scenes there. And he was actually there in person at, at the Villa Stadium. Um, so, yeah, so we wish him all the best with that. Uh, at the top of the table, obviously, we've talked about Man United and Man City. Um, Arsenal uh, slipped up at QPR, which opened the door for Spurs. Uh, their win over Swansea took them back level. Uh, and Chelsea continued their uh, good run of form under Di Matteo. Uh, they're now within five points um, of the uh, Champions League place. Still seven games to go. So there's still 21 points up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Um, Newcastle as well continued their uh, their good run of form, equal with Chelsea. Um, so if we're talking about Chelsea having a shot at the fourth place, we've got to talk about Newcastle as well. Everton leapfrog Liverpool with their customary uh, second half of the season. Uh, you know, let, I mean, let's talk about it. Let's talk about potential managers. You know, David Moyes, like under unbelievable circumstances <clears throat> at Everton, no money to spend. You know, looking at loan signings and you know cheap signings from wherever he can find them. Uh, he's in a FA Cup semi-final and he's seventh in the league. It's astonishing. It really is. Uh, just he's a miracle worker. 
He walks on water. So, let, I mean, let's talk about seven games to go, Kev. Man United now, obviously, in the box seat. Do you see Man City overhauling this? No, I don't at all. No. Uh, they've, they've lost the momentum. They can't, they've lost the focus. You know, it's a struggle to get a draw uh, at home against Sunderland. Uh, with up to, up to that point, a perfect record at home uh, is symptomatic of their season just going completely off the rails uh, as we go into the last lap. Uh, to see them pull back five points in this late stage of the game, where Man U are clearly just actually playing themselves into form, uh, I just don't see it happening. Man U. I mean, Man, I mean, Man United's last ten games have, have, have resulted in nine wins and a draw. But what's the most astonishing thing to me is that their away record is actually better than their home record. Their away record, I I cannot believe that there is a team, apart from Arsenal when they didn't lose a game, away record, 1-12, drawn three, lost one. Astonishing, isn't it? 36 goals four and only 12 conceded away from home in 16 games. I mean, that's where you win the league. Yep. You know, it's those, whereas Man City have lost four and drawn four on the road. Their home form is better than United's, but it's that away form consistently going away to places like Bolton, Stoke, Blackburn, and winning, yeah. you know, and Sunderland, yeah. and that's where Man City have slipped up. You yeah. Know. Um, and Arsenal Spurs for that automatic qualification. Yeah, this this one's going to go down to the to the wire. I mean, you know, the fact that Arsenal are in third spot in the first place just is a constant source of amazement to me, to be honest. Uh, and you might as well stroke out Arsenal, just put an RVP. Uh, it's, it's a one-man band, and it's entirely down to him. Uh, as far as Spurs are concerned, still not quite convinced that they've got the full depth, but. You know, uh, they're playing into form at the moment. They seem to be have got the players that they were lacking or they were missing, like Van der Vaart, Aaron Lennon, all seem to be coming back now in the yeah, in that final sort of push. It's still been a very erratic recent <coughs> run. Uh, you know, they've only had two wins out of the last, what, ten? Three wins out of the last ten games. Uh, and a lot of losses in there. Um, it's up and down. Uh, you, Swansea played very well and that was a, a cracking match I watched that match uh, from start to finish and I really enjoyed it uh, and they were superior quite yeah. clearly yeah, Spurs were quite clearly superior to, to Swansea so you can see them holding that position I think more likely to be honest than Arsenal Arsenal you're one twisted ankle away from you know, never being able to win another game this season. Well, I mean, the interesting subplot to this, going back to the Champions League, would be if Chelsea finished fifth or sixth and won the Champions League, <laughs> fourth place wouldn't be enough anymore. It's true. Because yeah. uh, they would go in as holders and, and uh, the, the Premier League would sacrifice its uh, its qualifying spot. So yeah. um, so that, that would be the ultimate nightmare, <laughs> finishing fourth and not getting a spot. Uh, and at the bottom, Kevin, views on who's going to go down. Wolves are, just <coughs> seem to be sinking faster than a stone. They can't buy a win. They're arguing against each other. They're losing at home. They're conceding goals. Yeah, I You'd think say that they, you know, the bar and a miracle, they're gone now. Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, Blackburn, who looked, you know, we were talking about Blackburn having pulled out of it. They're now back in. We've got three teams on twenty-eight points and Bolton on twenty-nine points. And then Villa on 33. Yeah, well, I think, uh, like I said last week, uh, I saw Rovers, Wigan and Wolves going down. And I think as it stands now, that's the way it's going to finish. Uh, Wigan have dodged a bullet for so many seasons now. Uh, it's about time they actually paid the price of being totally mediocre. Uh, and Rovers really Wigan's deserve... Form, though, the last 10 games, Wigan's form is 1-3, drawn 4, lost 3. Not bad, yeah. Not bad. But, you know, mediocre. <laughs> All right, that is it for uh, part three. We'll be back in the final part just to uh, preview this weekend's two games. Uh, the uh, minor semi-final, Perth Glory and Wellington, and the second leg of the major semi-final between the Mariners and the Raw. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. We talk to Arsenal captain Robin Van Persie about how he became the most lethal striker in the EPL and Man City, while United legend Dennis Law answers your questions. Come with us to Russia to catch up with Socceroo Luke Wilkshire. We meet Brisbane Roar's Ivan Franjic and ask whether the tackle is dead in modern-day football. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now at newsagents and the App Store. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. 
Hello, welcome back to the uh, final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Uh, this will be a short uh, part four. We've only got two games to look at <laughs> this week. Um, uh, Saturday, we'll see Perth Glory uh, take on Wellington Phoenix. I'm guessing, is that 5.30pm local time? I'm guessing so. So that'll be 5.30 Western time, because that'll be 7.30 our time. They wouldn't really? play at 3.30 in the yes. afternoon yes. in no, Perth, no, would yeah, they? So, sure. yeah. yeah, so Perth, sudden death. Perth versus Wellington. Actually, Kev. no. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, it must be 5.30. Yeah, we'll go to 7.30. Yeah, yeah. um, sorry, yes. Uh, well, as we were saying before, uh, Perth are just in imperious form at the moment when Smeltz is on fire, like he is, uh, with uh, Messi-type stats going on at the moment. Uh, and, yes, it is, did just compare Shane Smeltz to Messi. Uh Phoenix, a brave, unbelievable season from them. Uh, absolutely fantastic, but I think it's going to come to an end on Saturday. I just can't see the uh, them slipping, them being able to uh, derail glory bandwagon. Okay. Uh, well, sportingbet.com.au have Perth a dollar eighty-five. I think that's quite generous. Obviously, this would be ninety-minute odds. Uh, Wellington four dollars and the draw over ninety minutes three dollars sixty-five. Yeah, I think that's a go for the odds on uh, favourite with that one. Uh, I think. Give me give me a score prediction. Yeah, I was just thinking you, you, the the scores are probably going to be the more interesting one to to have money on, and I'd probably say I'd go for two nil. I think on that. Two nil Perth. That'll pay you eight bucks. Yeah, I think I'd put some money on that. Uh, two one is usually the favourite in these scores. How's that? Two one eight dollars fifty. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Trying to find that odds for. Um, Odds for Schmelz, but they haven't got them up yet. They're, I would imagine that they would be very short after the yeah, last two weeks. I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, obviously, the Mariners, two-goal deficit, which they've done before in this position yep. against the Jets uh, a few years ago uh, to reach the grand final. 2-0 down, came back and won 3-0. Can they do it this time? Um, the thing that they've got in their favour is, of course, Brisbane Roar uh, have uh, just played last night. Uh, and they were in Korea, whereas uh, Mariners were at home during the week uh, and uh, played the day before. So they've had an extra day's recovery. They've had no international flights to recover from. Um, so they've got that, and they're playing at home, obviously, in this match. So they've got a lot going for them, but the fact still remains is they they've got to score three goals. really struggling to find anyone to score goals in the first place and to score three against Roar. Really got the work cut out. I think uh, I can't see it happening. To be honest, uh, they might, you know, they might win the leg and they might win it one nil, but I can't see them getting past on aggregate at all. I suppose one one way as well is that I guess if you need to score three goals, like, and you're playing Brisbane, it doesn't really change your tactics against them. No, because if you were going to go and play a team and you need to score three goals. You're going to say, let's press them high up the pitch. Let's not let them have any time. So that's exactly your game plan if you want to beat them overnight, you know, 1-0. So exactly. that way you don't have to play differently. Yeah, I mean, when they met last weekend, I thought there was a real interesting difference in the styles uh, off the game. Uh, and it sounds at face value like I'm saying the same thing two different ways, but it was a very different philosophy. Uh, the Mariners were happy... Hey, the Brisbane Roar would not let the Mariners into their half of the pitch. It was that simple. Uh, whereas the Mariners were happy to let Brisbane Roar stay in their half of the pitch, in Brisbane Roar's half of the pitch, uh, and then deal with it when the Roar got into the Mariners' half. Right. So it's uh, like a half-court press. It is, yeah. But uh, whereas with uh, the Roar, they just they had a brick wall on the centre line. You will not cross this. You yeah. won't get into it at all. And we're going to push you back all the time. It was really uh, interesting to see. And very, very difficult to overcome that. Uh, but both, it was also interesting as well that neither of them were defending deep. They were leaving a lot of space uh, for each to work into uh, rather than compacting up. Uh, where you're falling over yourselves and nothing actually happens at all. Yeah. So, you know, there is space to work with under those conditions, but you have to be uh, you have to be very canny. And it, if you're Ange, what, what's what's your? I mean, obviously we know the way they're going to play. What, what's your instructions? What's your your sort of game plan? 
at the worst, this is a training run for Asia for uh, them. So they'll be wanting to keep playing themselves into form, you would think. So although they've got, you know, they've got an advantage, they're not going to sit back, I wouldn't think. They're going to carry mm. on playing as if it's nil-nil, as if they've got a win. Uh, just purely from a pragmatic, we're going into Asia. Uh, well, for, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for me, the, f- the instructions that I'll give would be, let's try and get a goal in the first five minutes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Let's, let's kill it off. You know, <laughs> let's not sort of sit, sit back and, you know, yep. just play our possession. Let, let's try and score and lay, leave them the challenge of scoring four. They're not going to have to score four, yeah, yeah without a doubt. Uh, and, you know, the Mariners are going to be exposed left, right and centre because they're going to have to push for the, the goal uh, for the full 90 minutes. You know, it's not just one yeah. goal. They have to keep pushing for goal, 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 goal. And as well, I think when, when you don't have that figurehead, when you don't have a schmelz, that is your go-to guy in the final third and, and can score three and four goals in a game, you actually have to commit more men forward yeah. because you need the numbers because you don't have that one person that is lethal in the box and he's the only person you sort of need up there. So they're going to have to commit players forward, yeah, which I, leaves them open to the counter-attack. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, what is commendable is the way that Arnie is still focusing on using his younger players to, to try and give himself that strike force. But at the end of the day, he does have two very useful strikers, albeit not very useful these days, um, in McBreen and Kwasnick, who are both proven goal scorers. Yeah. Uh, and under the circumstances when you <coughs> desperately need goals you don't have anybody coming through that's providing them I would be tempted to, to bring those two back on and uh, you know really push hard some old school football maybe uh, but it promises to be a good game even though it's 2-0 you know because as we always say 2-0 is a, a dangerous scoreline because the momentum can change very quickly with one goal and both teams you would imagine will be going out looking for an early goal which could create a an entertaining game from the start. Um, it's always good when, when a, you know, like the, there's no way that, that Central Coast Mariners can go out and not force the issue. It's not like it's nil-nil and there's always that fear of, well, let's not leave ourselves too open, ex- we'll take extra time. They have to go out and, and attack. Uh, sportingbet.com.au have got it. This is a 90-minute odds. Mariners $2.15, Brisbane $3.20, and the draw $3.50. Uh, to qualify, as you would expect, uh, Brisbane... Very, very short odds, $1.12. The Mariners, 6 bucks to qualify. I still think that's actually quite generous on Brisbane Roar for the 90-minute result, to be honest. I'm going to go back and have a look at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so towards that versus if, if, we, if it goes the way that we're predicting, we will see Brisbane uh, host their second grand final uh, at Suncorp, and we will see the Mariners play off against Perth Glory for a place in the grand final. Going to be interesting games ahead, I think, either way. All right, neck on the line. Who's going to be the grand... What's the grand final going to be this year, Kev? I think it's going to be Roar Perth. And I'm torn between who's actually going to win that. Really? Seriously? All right, well, I, well, let's not do that yet, because yeah. let's, let's, just, let's just leave it with, uh, with your prediction for who's going to be there, because if that ends up being the fact, we'll devote a whole podcast to Seems seeing who's enough. going to win it. Yep. So, all right, enjoy the football. Get there if you can. Promises to be two great games. Uh, and then we'll be back next week to uh, to preview the Sudden Death Elimination Final. And uh, we'll have another look forward to who's going to be hosting that uh, grand final. So join us next week and uh, enjoy your football this weekend. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.